hope you all have had a, a good day so far. Um, we are ready now for our third talk. And so we've recapped, let's just recap, I'd like to do that as we begin each talk. We've looked at how the relationship to God the Father, the experience of his love for us, is the foundation for spiritual childhood. And it is that antidote to perfectionism and that lack of proper self-love to live in the light of his love for us. And we learn that the Lord loves us for who we are, not for what we do or we achieve. Now, in the talks, I mentioned a little bit uh, the idea of vulnerability. make a whole retreat on this, and I probably should bring it up more, or probably should have used it more in my last talk. So let me sort of talk a little bit about it here. Vulnerability from the Latin word vulnus, which means wound. Someone who is vulnerable is able to be wounded. And so whenever we have those insecurities, whenever we feel unloved, we do not like to be vulnerable. Most of us don't like to be vulnerable because why? We don't want to be hurt. Maybe we've been hurt before and we don't want to be hurt again. Maybe we're just scared of getting hurt. And so we don't take certain risks in relationships or in other areas of our life. What we do is we put up walls, or if you prefer science fiction, you put up force fields. Put up your shield so that Things can go out, but nothing can come in unless you're in control of it. So if we are not able to be vulnerable, then guess what? We're not able to let the Lord's love in. God the Father is there wanting to show us his love, wanting to shower us with his love. But if we don't let him in, if we have the shields up, then he's not going to force his way in. To be a child is to be vulnerable. Think of it. The most vulnerable thing you could imagine is a little baby. Unlike other animals who are born into the world, maybe they're vulnerable, but pretty soon they can fend for themselves. Human children cannot at all. They are the most vulnerable and they need to be protected. And so this, you can make a whole retreat, and I've given retreats on this, particularly to men, about the need to be vulnerable. Women generally are a little bit better at this. Men, not so much. But we're not at a men's retreat. How do you overcome it? And that's the thing. We all know we need to overcome it. I certainly think therapy and counseling. Uh, to do some great reading. As I mentioned, Brene Brown has some wonderful stuff on vulnerability. Practice taking risks, being vulnerable, small ways with people that uh, you believe, love you, and you're safe with. But I think that one of the best solutions one of the best ways to deal with and learn to become vulnerable so we do drop our shields and can receive the Lord's love is what we're going to call the next aspect of spiritual childhood. And this is something that I've talked about a lot. And it's not an insight that I have, but I've taken it from somewhere else. But I think it is so crucial and probably essential, uh, as I'll, you'll see, I recommend it to people for growing out of perfectionism. Sorry, I'm having a little loud. Throat lozenge. So it's easy to believe that the Father loves us, or maybe easier to believe the Father loves us when things are going well. Like during the course of this retreat, you're probably thinking, boy, I just love the Lord's loving me. Don't have my husband nagging me. Don't have my kids leaving trash everywhere, calling, annoying me. Don't have to drive in that crazy Las Vegas traffic. It can't be as bad as LA, is it? No, ridiculous. Noise, so like, hey, we're, we're just experiencing it. We're loving, feeling the Lord, and feeling His love. But what about when we sin? 
What about when we're not perfect? What about when we fail or our weakness and imperfection and take over, when the consolation of the peace leaves? This is much more difficult to live in the Lord's love. He might love us for who we are, but when he sees the things that we've done, are the things that we are doing maybe not so much. Maybe not so much. And so we're like Adam and Eve in the creation myth. When they commit that first sin, what do they do? They hide themselves, the shame, so that God cannot see them. And so I see it all the time. People who are devout and religious, this is particularly with women more than men, fall into some grave sin. Or really, it's not that big of a sin, but they think it's a big sin, so they won't come to Mass. Uh, because I'm too ashamed to be in God's presence. They don't hang around their holy friends anymore. They stay away from confession. They're just like Adam and Eve, hiding from the Lord. This is specifically true for sexual sins, specifically for sexual sins. And so this feeling that God is waiting there to punish. He's waiting there to judge. He's got that big eye. He's, I, I saw what you did. And he's waiting to give you the critique of what you've done. Some even feel that God doesn't want to be around him. They're not the ones who have to pull away. God's pulled away. He's abandoned me because of my sin, because of how unlovable I am. And this leads to not just discouragement, but despair. Much worse. So you see the distinction I'm making between I know the Lord loves me for who I am, but whenever I make mistakes, it's harder to believe that the Lord has that unconditional love. Unconditional love. They're sort of the same thing, but what do we do when we sin? What do we do when we mess up? And so this is what we're going to look at is what I'm going to call the second essential dimension of spiritual childhood. So I, mean, I have a great devotion to St. Therese, and, and one of the, my favorite books on St. Therese is out of print, so I couldn't suggest it, is by one of the new blesseds of the church. His name is Blessed Marie-Eugène de la Font jesus How many of you ever heard of uh, Father or Blessed Marie-Eugène? He was a French Carmelite who wrote some very important works, I'm a daughter of the church and I want to see God, uh, a number of different books on Carmelite spirituality. He has a little small one called Under the Torrent of His Love. Uh, it's out of print. I don't know how much it costs on Amazon to get it, but I love it. It's a collection of two or three of his talks that he gave on St. Therese. And he has some of the best insights you could imagine on St. Therese. But there's this one quote, he has several quotes that I love, but this one quote jumped out at me, and I give a lot of talks on this, and I do think it's essential. He said, Therese would even cultivate what we might call, he's talking about her, her, her little way in learning to accept our humanness and our weakness, what we might call the art of failure. She would perform some action which turned out unsuccessful. She had been unfaithful. So would then say, or she would then say, if I had been faithful, I would have received the reward of merit. I was unfaithful. I am humiliated. I'm going to receive the reward of my poverty and humiliation. Needless to say, she never sought unfaithfulness for its own sake. So what I'm going to say is the second part of spiritual childhood is learning the art of failure. Learning how to fail. And what's so brilliant about this is this shows the spiritual genius. This is the genius of the little way. We all know, hey, if I do something good... Well, I'm going to draw closer to God. I get the reward of merit. Fantastic. 
But what she's saying is when we sin, when we fall, when we're unfaithful, it can also be a source of drawing closer to God. And she said, the reward of my poverty and humiliation. And it's not just, well, I'm humiliated for humility's sake. I'm poor for poverty's sake. No, you are poor and humble. So then what? You can be like a child and that you can approach the Lord, not run away from him, not be ashamed. So the genius of Therese is you can profit both ways. Now, again, it's never saying, well, I want to profit both ways. I'm going to go on a cocaine bender tonight. No, it's not it at all. We're talking about people who have goodwill, that even our mistakes, our weaknesses, our frailties, and even our sins can be a path to the Lord. Here's another great quote from St. Therese, and I could just sit here and quote St. Therese all day long. You, you didn't come here to hear that. She said, the saints accept themselves the way they are and make use of their imperfections to raise themselves near to God. And what normally happens when we fail and we're imperfect, oh, God hates me. Nobody loves me. But Therese is saying the saint is the one who can use their imperfections too, the ways they feel unlovable, to come closer to God and to trust that the Lord can use them both. He wants to use it all to bring us closer to him. This way of failure, this art of failure, is something I recommend for perfectionists. I got one directee who is the sweetest, beautiful, most smart, wonderful young woman you've ever met. She's smarter than I am, I can tell you that. And she totally doesn't see it. And she's such a perfectionist and wants to do everything perfect in order to gain love. And so said, you are not going to heaven any other way but the little way. Any other way. Because you're going to drive yourself crazy. Trying to be perfect. And so she's adopted it and is making a fair amount of progress. She's wonderful. So we're going to look at different elements of this art. Of how to live out this art. And so I think we could also say it's the art of failure. How about the art of not being perfect? The art of not being perfect as an essential element of being a child so you can learn your poverty and humiliation and draw the Lord closer instead of running in the opposite direction. Are you all with me? All right? First element, teach the art of failure. We have to trust not only as we've seen the Lord loves us <clears throat> for who we are, but to trust in his unconditional merciful love, his unconditioned, merciful love. He loves us for who we are, but he, we also have to believe he loves us in spite of our sins and failings. St. Therese makes the oblation to merciful love. She understood that God the Father, that Jesus wasn't just love, but was merciful love that wants to show mercy. I'm sure a lot of you have devotion to St. Faustina and the Divine Mercy. So you can see Therese as a precursor for that, leading up to it. And in my opinion, much easier to read than Faustina's diary. I get 10 pages in that. I said, what in the world is this woman talking about? <laughs> Maybe I'm not holy. I have no idea. Therese, I can read all day. But why? Why do we have to come to trust the merciful love? Why is the Father merciful? Because he knows our weakness. What, what do you think that he's, oh, I, I had no idea she struggled with that. I had no idea that that was rough in her life. No, he knows because he created us. And as a result, God does not expect you to be perfect. 
unless you can come and show me that your name is the Blessed Virgin Mary, he does not expect you to be sinless. He doesn't want you to have an, your brokenness as an excuse to sin, but he understands it. And in fact, like a good father, he is drawn to our weakness. He wants to help. He wants to lift us up. Again, ideally, a father who sees the child struggling is not going to say, oh, look at that. Uh, keep on struggling, boy. Maybe to teach him a lesson, but that's not what God the Father is about. He sees the struggling. He wants to help. He's there to care for us. But what's so important, though, and this is why I keep going back to it, we're talking about people specifically who want to do the right thing. You read Father Jacques Philippe, he brings it up over and over again in Searching for and Maintaining Peace. He sees our goodwill. He sees that we're trying. He sees that we want to please him. We want to be saints. It's just that we fail. And of course, what, what other sort of evidence do we need that God is merciful love than the fact that he sent his son, Jesus, who is the image of the Father? And as Hebrews 5, 2 tells us, he is able to deal patiently with the ignorant and the erring, for he himself is beset by weakness. Jesus is weak. He knows what it's like to be weak. He doesn't sin. Of course, he's like us in all things but sin. And so as a result of this, of him understanding, he's not waiting there to condemn us when we fall. We can know that from our own experience. We can know it from Scripture. And I think Jesus, again, looking at him as the icon of the Father, shows it to us. The woman caught in adultery. Okay, he says, go and sin no more. But he says, I'm not here to judge you. I forgive you. The, the woman caught at the well. Think of all the different stories of the Lord granting mercy. He doesn't make people beg for mercy. He gives it freely. Why? Because he is showing us how God the Father is. You know, I, again, this is something we may understand, but in the middle of it, we, when the shame sets in and the self-hatred, it's hard to understand. Uh, one of the examples I'll use, imagine, you know, one of your children, you've told him, don't play with a knife. And of course, being a kid, he's going to go play with a knife and cuss himself. And you walk in, and you see your kid on the ground bleeding. What, do you, what are you going to do as a good parent? Oh, I'm going to let you bleed for a little bit. I'm going to teach you a lesson. No. You go immediately, and you bandage the womb. You may have a little talk later on, but you go and you take care of it. Why, if through our sin we've hurt ourselves, that you think God, the loving Father, would come and say, oh, learn your lesson. No. Why? Why, if an earthly father would not do that, when you ask your father for a, an egg, why would he give you a serpent? Why would God the Father be like that? We have to rethink the way we think about things. Or it's like the dad teaching the kid to ride a bike. Kid's going to fail sometimes. Because the dad lets the kid fail, does it mean that he's a bad dad? No. If the dad were to come and push him over, maybe he would be. And so the father is there, and he sometimes lets us fail so that he can pick us up, so that we can learn. It's sometimes necessary. But again, all too often, and I don't want to keep this under the ground, part of the reason that we have a hard time doing this, believing in the father's merciful, unconditional love, is we don't trust our earthly parents. You know, I, I say this to parents. I do catechism with our parents or some of our younger kids. The most important thing for a parent to do in raising the kid, if you, if you want the kid to grow up to be healthy, is to establish a relationship of trust 
So when that kid is young and gets older and starts getting tempted, maybe falls, makes mistakes, things get rough, they are not afraid to come to you and to say, Mom or Dad, I'm having a really rough time. That changes everything. The boys that I know that when they start struggling with pornography, they can go to their dads and say, Dad, I'm really struggling with this. And the dad says, I know what it's like. We're going to work on this together. That's the kid who gets over it. But the one who's ashamed and hides it doesn't work that way. Or the girl who is sleeping around with a boyfriend, the one who can go to the mom and say, Mom, I'm really struggling with this. And the mom says, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. You know that's wrong, otherwise you wouldn't be coming to me. Let's work on this together. That's what has to happen. But how many kids trust their parents that way? Very, very, very few. They're afraid, rightly or wrongly, they're going to be judged, they're going to be condemned, they're going to be told they shouldn't be doing it. And maybe there's a time and place for that. But often the kid knows they shouldn't be doing it. And they need to not be judged. Or not have the feeling they're not going to be judged. Maybe 100 years ago you could, but you can't do it anymore today. Can't do it anymore today. And so when you trust, when we trust someone, if we're children and we have trust in God the Father, and we know he's not going to judge us and he knows he's going to show us mercy, we're going to be more apt to run to him like a child. But once again, we need to experience it, experience that mercy. And that's why the sacrament of confession is so important. You know, don't wait to go once every 10 years. Don't come every day. That's the problem, you know, arguably. I mean, maybe if they're big sins you're committing, but, you know, to go and receive the Lord's mercy, to get used to it, they're like, hey, not a big deal. The sin is sin, but the Lord is there to grant you mercy. So that's the first thing. Number two, we need to learn to accept weakness and failure. Learn to accept your brokenness and your humanity. We talked about so often, we cling to unrealistic views of holiness. We want to be superheroes, not saints. We want, to, we want to fly over mountains. We want to be the Avengers all in one. That is not what it means to be a saint. You know, Blessed Marie Eugene said, the saint is not the one who conquers, but the one who lets God conquer him. You want to be a saint, the Lord's going to conquer you. You were not in charge. You were not the boss. We're human. We're weak. We're sinners. It's never an excuse, but if you can't accept that fact, and particularly there are going to be certain imperfections in our human nature, that yes, the Lord can heal, but some he may not. And some may be that thorn in your side to keep you humble for the rest of your life. You all know St. Paul in the second letter of the Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 5 to 10. I'll read the whole thing. It's so powerful. I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I wish to boast, I shall not be a fool, for I shall be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears of me. And to keep from being too elated by the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I besought the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. He is the powerful one, not you, not me. You're not going to be perfect. It's going to be in your weakness that his perfection is going to shine. Paul continues, I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses 
the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We all know this passage. Why do we not believe it? We're like, oh, let's pretend this doesn't exist. Oh, this is a Paul going on about his own weakness. It is where we encounter the power of Christ when we say, I give up, I can't do it anymore. And that's when he can make us strong, when his grace comes in. He permits sometimes these certain struggles. Father, I'm 60 years old. Why am I still struggling with this? Probably because you're not the Blessed Virgin Mary, A, and B, because maybe Jesus wants you to. And you keep struggling to do it, but don't get so discouraged. Because what you do is when you fall, you're like, oh, I can't do this by myself. Every time you fall, you're basically going to confession. Every time you fall and you go to confession, you're admitting to someone else that you were not God. That is always a helpful thing to do. I am not God. I need his help. Again, big mistakes also show we can't do it ourselves. And so what happens is, like Therese says, when we fail, what do we learn? I'm poor, I'm weak. And that's the great grace, not just, oh, I'm poor and I'm weak, everybody, let's have a pity party, come and show me how much you love me and how much you sympathize for me. No, because it's only when you're poor that the Lord can fill you up. Because if you're so full of yourself, he is not going to fill you up. It is not easy to accept our weaknesses and our imperfections, our failures and our sins, but it's crucial to the art of failure. Listen to St. Therese. Again, it's another wonderful quote. This talk is probably more quotes than anything. She says, If God wants you to be weak and powerless like a little child, do you think you will be less worthy? What if he wants you to? What if he wants you to accept this? Consent then to stumble at every step, even to fall, to carry your cross feebly. Love your powerlessness. Your soul will draw more profit than if, supported by grace, you achieve with a certain flair heroic acts which fill your soul with personal satisfaction and selfish pride. Again, she's not saying that these things are bad, but there's the risk of pride. But what happens is when you fall, if you fall a hundred times a day, as long as you have that goodwill and you don't want to disappoint the Lord, guess what? You can benefit from it because he is going to fill you up. And this is a whole separate talk, but this should not be a surprise to us. Failure is essential to our, our life as Christians. Why? Because we're about the cross. I mean, when you go to Mass, this is the biggest apparent failure of the history of the world. The God comes and gets killed. Listen to Pope Francis, who offered these wise words. The cross shows us a different way of measuring success. Ours is to plant the seeds. God sees to the fruits of our labors. And if at times our efforts and work seem to fail and not produce fruit, we need to remember that we are followers of Jesus Christ and his life, humanly speaking, ended up in failure, the failure of the cross. I'm not trying to say, don't say, oh, Father said that Jesus was a failure. No. He had to fail. Look, look, look. the apostles thought, well, what's this deal here? He's the Messiah. He's dead. Let's go back fishing. But it was three days later he came back. You will find the resurrection only when you fail. You cannot avoid the cross. We just want to like skip to the resurrection. I want to be risen right now. We can share some of it, but you're going to have to share in the cross. Listen to Blessed John Harry Newman, another wonderful quote. It is the rule of God's providence that we should succeed by failure. 
It is the rule of God's providence that we should succeed by failure. The more you fail, we're never making an excuse for, particularly you people living in Las Vegas, there's a lot of sin y'all could be doing. Nope, I'm not saying that's an excuse for any of that. But when we fail, we can find great holiness. And so the next part, the third part, and probably the most important, particularly for St. Therese, accept our, we know that God's merciful love, we accept the fact that we are going to fail, but instead of running away from Jesus, do not lose your peace, but run to Christ who leads us to the Father. Run to the Father directly if you want to say that. But don't lose your peace. This is at the heart of St. Therese's teaching in the little way. The child is weak. It's going to fall, but it doesn't give up. It doesn't despair. It has great trust in the loving Father and knows the Father is not going to be there to beat her into the ground, to humiliate her, to make her feel terrible, but is there to love and pick her up and to help her. Father Jacques Philippe sort of sums this up well. He sums up just about everything well. The spiritual battle, rather than the pursuit of invincibility or some other infallibility beyond our capacity, consists principally in learning, without becoming too discouraged, to accept falling occasionally and not to lose our peace of heart if we should happen to do so lamentably, not to become excessively sad regarding our defeats and to know how to rebound from our falls to an even higher level. This is not always possible, but on the condition that we do not panic and we continue to maintain your peace. So this is what happens to perfectionists. We are out to prove that we are worthy of being loved, that we're fantastic, and we fall and we lose our minds. We panic. We freak. We hide our, dig our heads into a hole. We run the other direction. Or we try to be even more perfect so the Lord will, oh, I'm even more perfect so you forget about the mistake that I just made. No. We accept that we're not perfect and that when we do fail, that we're going to keep our peace. We're not going to let the shame set in and try to hide us, hide it, go to confession if need be, or at least say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. I made mistakes. I'm weak. Please help me. If you did something that hurt someone else, go apologize to them. The worst thing to do is freak out. You know, we are much harder on ourselves, ladies and men, than the Father is on us. He's just not that hard on us. The Father does not want his children to go to hell. He wants them to be redeemed. And, and so he's there offering everything he can. We just need to believe in it. And so the heart of learning the art of failure is learning to accept our weaknesses and failures and not lose our peace. Again, I'm not saying... We shouldn't cry over our sins sometimes. We shouldn't have sorrow and contrition. We definitely should. should. But ladies, y'all are generally, hopefully a little bit beyond having that massive conversion. Y'all have the goodwill. You want to do the right thing. And so we don't freak out because we know ourselves. We shouldn't be surprised that we make these mistakes. We shouldn't be surprised. People, oh, Father, I can't believe I did this. Well, why not? You're a human being. You, we're capable of a lot of stuff. Never say you're not capable of something. We're all pretty capable of it. And to have to trust in the love of God the Father. Because if you, what is it, when the, was it Mary Magdalene or whatever, pours the, 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 the oil and 
you know, why are you doing this? And she says, she loves much because she's been forgiven for much. And we're going to love more when we realize you've got to experience the merciful love if you're then going to love other people. And so what I'm going to do is I'll give you another quote. This is probably the most important quote from St. Therese. If you want to understand the little way, ignore everything else I've said, listen to this, because I really do believe it sums up this spiritual childhood, this art of failure, how, how, to, how to maintain that peace. She says, of course, we should like to suffer generously and nobly. We should like never to fall. What an illusion. Here's the, she's a doctor of the church, remember. So you, you can be assured that if you adhere to her little way, that you are not, that Jesus is not going to say, you shouldn't listen to St. Therese. You're like one of those idiots who read Story of a Soul. No. This is a, a path, and I really think sort of the path for people today to heaven. What does it matter if I fall at every moment? And that way I realize my weakness and the gain is considerable, just like she said before. I'm weak. I'm human. I need God. Here's the key phrase. If you are willing to bear in peace the trial of not being pleased with yourself, the trial of not being pleased with yourself, wanting to beat yourself up, you will be offering the divine master a home in your heart. Sounds crazy. Whenever I, I don't want Jesus with me when I'm feeling terrible and miserable in love. No. But you can bear with the trial of not being pleased with yourself when you fall. Your, fall, your, being, your poverty that you experience, the weakness, creates a space for the Lord, a, ho- a possible home in your heart. It is true that you will suffer because you will be like a stranger to your own house. But do not be afraid. The poorer you are, the more Jesus will love you. Isn't that what he said? Blessed are the poor in spirit. The children of heaven, or the kingdom is the children. He, we know that's what he said. But we think, oh, Jesus is going to only come to me if I don't commit any sins. If I give all my money to the poor. It's not the case. I know that he is better pleased to see you stumbling in the night upon a stony road than walking in the full light of day upon a path carpeted with flowers because these flowers might delay your advance. But you may be stumbling, but you're at least not going to stop to look at the flowers. You're going to keep going. You're going to keep pressing on. That is the heart of the little way. You're weak, but learn to bear the trial, be peace, bear in peace the trial of not being pleased with yourself. This is the antidote to perfectionism. The perfectionist will not bear the trial of not being pleased with themselves. They'll beat themselves up, they'll despair, they'll get discouraged, act out, they'll do all kinds of stuff. But Sidrez is saying he's actually drawn to that poverty. Poverty is a place where we can. He's drawn to it, and we can gift it to him by saying, Lord, I am weak. I failed. The art of failure is learning to, to get back on your feet and to bring it to the Lord and not go high. Repent, but have peace. Now, ladies, this is especially true for sins against purity. I won't get into details, but it's something for you to understand and you to get your daughters to understand. Women freak out over this. So, I mean, I... I I have stories. So, Blessed Father Fire said it's been 40 years since my last confession. Whoa, I'm so glad you're back at confession. Why have you been away for so long? You did something 40 years ago, Father, I'm so ashamed of. I've, I've never been able to confess it. I just can't even admit that I'm doing it. And I already know what it is. 
but I don't tell her I know what it is. And she tells me, she's, it's a sin, it's a sexual sin. I said, man, I said, that's a sin of weakness. It's a sin of weakness. So often women choose that self-abuse out of loneliness, out of self-hatred. I'm not making an excuse for it, but heck, if it was that big of a thing, guys don't care about this. Guys, I mean, they probably should care more about it, as you might imagine, about these sexual sins, but there's so much mercy there. Avoid the neurocation of sin, but staying away from confession for 40 years from a sin was not of malice, but of weakness. No, not at all. So listen to Therese. This is another great quote from St. Therese. I mean, I'll give this quote from St. Therese to people, men and women, they'll start crying. So maybe some of you will start crying. I don't know. I'm not trying to make you cry, but this is St. Therese writing to one of the priests that she, she would write to. It is amazing how easily souls lose peace when it comes to this virtue of purity. However, there is no temptation less dangerous than that one. This, the means of being freed from these temptations is to regard them with calm, not to be astonished, much less to fear them. Don't freak out. Be sure that one temptation of pride is more dangerous. We never think of that. One temptation of pride is more dangerous. And God is much more offended when we yield that, yield to that, than when one commits a fault, even a grave one against purity, because God has consideration for the fragility of our corruptible nature, whereas for a fault of pride, there is no excuse. Pride, however, is a fault that souls commit often and easily without being upset. Ah, pride all the time, we're a jerk to everybody. When we commit the sin of impurity, we freak out. And I'm not saying that it's not serious business, that we need to avoid the near occasion of sin. I mean, I said it one time, I said it a thousand times to those boys. Cut it out. Quit spending the night at your girlfriend's house. Take that garbage off your phone. Quit being an idiot. I mean, just, I don't want to. So that, that's, that's different. If your arm causes you to sin, cut it off. But don't beat ourselves up. All right? So the thing is, the art of failure, and this is the genius. We can learn it, and to not get discouraged, then we learn true vulnerability. This is, the, this is the solution, I really think. Again, if we, want to, if we want to receive the Lord's love, we have to be vulnerable. What happens when we fail? We get a chick in the armor. Something pierces through. A, a brick of our wall pops out. And so what do we do immediately? Oh my goodness, I'm not perfect. There's a chick in the armor. Let me patch it up. Let me, let me, let me put some, something in there to, to patch up the hole in my, in my shield. Instead of saying, you know what? Lord, you come in through this. You come. So our failures are the key to vulnerability. If we can use them and not freak out about them and to not lose our peace. Failure teaches us, in fact, probably forces us to be vulnerable. When you get to go to confession, Father, I've sinned. You're being very vulnerable. Going to God the Father, going to Jesus, I've sinned. You're opening yourself up to him to condemn or to laugh at you or whatever, but he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. Does this make sense, y'all? The key to finding vulnerability is our failure. Got to learn. This is the genius of St. Therese, and the genius of, because this is, this is the Lord's teaching, he inspired her. Both ways can help us be holy. All right? Both ways can help us be holy. Now, I'm sort of trying to bring this to somewhat of a conclusion. Don't get discouraged if you fail at the art of failure. 
Think about that, sister. The paradox, mystery. Do not, you're going to fail. You are. Some, you're going to fail. So everybody leaves here. I'm going to practice the art of failure. I'm going to be a spiritual child. And then guess what? Before you go to bed at night, you're going to fail. And you're going to beat yourself up. And you're going to get mad at yourself. And you're going to run away from mercy. Say you're sorry and move on. So be peaceful when you fail at the art of failure. Be patient. This is an art. That's what I like. It. This is an art. An art takes a lifetime to master. No one like, I'm going to start playing music today, unless you're like Mozart and just become the best ever. An art you got to learn. So the art of failure, the art of learning to not be a perfectionist takes a lifetime. So be patient. Remember when you were like learning music or art or taekwondo or whatever early on, and you were so frustrated you wanted to give up? Parents said, no, you keep at it, keep at it. And then eventually, whoa, you built a little virtue here. It got a little bit easier. That's what the art of failure is like. So, to close, how, though, is this part of spiritual childhood? You say, Father, this is a great talk. Let my friends listen to it. Fantastic, but how is it part of spiritual childhood? In one of her writings, St. Therese, I'm not going to give the whole talk, describes God's mercy with a parable of two sons who both sin, and the father finds out and is coming to punish them. One son says, I'm out of here. I don't want him to punish me. But the other son is genuinely sorry and apologizes and says he loves his dad and he'll do better. And the father, she says, forgives, although he knows the kid's going to fail again. You know that when your kids apologize for doing stupid things, you know they're going to probably fail again. But he is ready to forgive every time. And this is the quote, if his son catches him by the heart every time. So this is the art of spiritual childhood is learn to catch the father by the heart. I'm not saying you're trying to manipulate God, but genuinely, Lord, I'm really sorry. And that he sees that sorrow, and he can't be anything but drawn towards that. He knows you're trying. He knows you're trying to do the right thing. He's not going to ground you. He's not going to punish you. So the child, this is the genius, I'm going to catch the father by the heart. When we learn to fail and use it to our advantage, and we catch the Father by the heart. And I can tell you, as I said yesterday, from the perspective of being a spiritual father, I've been a priest 18 years, so it's not a very, very long time, I, t- I know it's very, very true. I uh, tell the story of, I'm going to take a handful of students and combine them into one, who, because of their own wounded self-image, whatever it is, tendencies to fall into sins quite often, themselves sometimes with others, and they begin heaping it on, misery and shame, but eventually started coming to me and realized that I wasn't going to judge them, and then now there's a real bond that's there, and come to me with a lot of stuff. We've worked through a lot of stuff together, because she knows or they know I'm not going to judge them. And in fact, as soon as I see them come to me, I already know what they're going to tell me. And so she's like, give them a hug, all right, let's sit down and talk about it. Let's try to find a way to avoid it next time and to build them up. So if I, my heart, can be moved out of tenderness because of this, and they know that I know, I'm not a dummy. If, if I can, then don't you think God the Father can? 
I'm much less merciful. I'm much more of a jerk than he is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the best father, but if I can do it, and from my experience, I can tell you, indeed, if I'm supposed to be the presence of God the Father, this is how it works. And so now they come to me, like, like I said, like a dad, like I messed up. Now I can, I'm the dad who can forgive them, but, you know, all right, let's go. Let's get some encouragement. We're going to go out there again. We're going to go out and play. We're not going to give up. And that encouragement is something that helps us resist temptation in the future. So here's your homework. Let's focus on, I mean, any failures? What is the failure that we have, big or small, that might be nagging at us? Maybe you've already confessed it. It could be something big. It could be that little small thing. You can't get rid of it. And then to say, well, how do I react to this? How do I react to it? Do I beat myself up? Do I get discouraged? Do I run away from Jesus? Instead, let's take that. Let's take this art of failure, the art of not worrying about being perfect, and say, Lord, here is my failure. Here is my sin. Here is my weakness. Take some deep breaths. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. And learn to sit in and trust in that mercy. And we're going to take this and develop it a lot more. And so pray, though, and this is, I guess, the ultimate, Pray for peace. We're going to bring our Lord out in a few seconds. Jesus is coming to the entrance. Plenty of time to say, Lord, here it is. I'm giving it to you. Keep this in mind as this art of learning how not to be a perfectionist. We're going to look later tonight at the third part of spiritual childhood. Is this making sense so far, ladies? And so, glory be to the Father, to the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, now and for shall be. Or without end. Amen.